Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today we're going to be chatting about an idea to create a common shared currency between Brazil and Argentina called the SUA. This is a proposal that has been in the news in recent weeks following a meeting between Lula, Brazil's new president, and Argentine president Alberto Fernandez. This was a topic that was discussed during their first bilateral meeting of the year, and they issued several statements publicly after them, and it's been since picked up quite widely by both financial and crypto media. To help us make sense of this, and particularly the overlap it has with the crypto world, I'm joined by João Marco Braga da Cunha of Hashtex, which is Brazil's largest crypto asset manager. E aí, João, thank you for joining us. Well, Adam, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So to get started, why don't you just give us a bit of background on yourself and Hashtags? Okay, sure. So uh, starting by myself, uh, I'm a Brazilian economist. More precisely, I'm from Rio de Janeiro. And I started in the financial markets back in 2008 as a quant trader. Uh, it, it was a very interesting year for, for Hookie, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, and then I moved to, to other areas. Uh, I mentioned uh, credit, uh, credit analyst. I uh, was also uh, in, in the private equities and, and uh, market risk, uh, macroeconomic research, and finally uh, investment management. And uh, I moved to Hashdex in the very beginning of 2020 to head the, the investment area, uh, which at that time was only myself. Uh, it, it was the very beginning of the, the company. Actually, the company started in 2018 with the proposal of being uh, uh, an ETF provider for crypto. Uh, at that time, it was not possible to launch an ETF, so we launched a fund that was very liquid uh, and trying to replicate the idea of an ETF, we created our own index. And, and after, uh, by 2020, we, we partnered with NASDAQ to, to create the NASDAQ Crypto Index to be the first, I would say, large caps or market cap weighted uh, crypto index for institutional investors, standards. And we launched the first uh, multi-asset crypto ETF in Brazil in 2021, the Hash11. The Hash11 is the it's the second largest uh, ETF in Brazil right now, right? Or second most has the second most shareholders, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, yeah, the second one. Yes. Of out of all asset classes, right? So yeah, crypto yeah. ETF is actually the second most popular in all of Brazil, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, the, the largest one is uh, the one that tracks the S&P 500, and we are we're chasing them. <laughs> soon, soon. Gradually then suddenly, right? Um, so could you give us a bit of background about this common currency proposal? What do we know about this idea as it currently stands? And uh, what, are, what are they looking to accomplish here? So, uh, yeah, it, it appeared uh, on an interview by Sergio Massa. Uh, in, in the context, as you mentioned, Lula was, was traveling to Argentina to bilateral meeting. And a few days before it, Sergio Massa, the, the Minister of Economy, reviewed, uh, the Argentinian Minister of Economy, he reviewed that they had this plan and he, they were working on it. But uh, 
there, there's no of, official document. Uh, uh, we only had like some some quotes from from some raw ideas, some reasons why they're chasing it. We see that the the bilateral flow between Argentina and, and Brazil is dropping, uh, and one of the reasons, of course, is the capital control that they have in Argentina. It's very difficult for 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 the companies there to to get dollars to to buy uh, goods and services abroad. Uh, but it's just a small part of of the the problem. The the vast majority is that Argentina is huge crisis. Uh, in, in their economy, so it's natural in these circumstances that you see a drop in the in the international trades for for the situation. So they presented the idea, no further details, just uh, some some hints here and there. And one of the they they mentioned that they want to to be more resilient. To they don't want to depend on the dollars that much. It can make some sense but it's hiding the, the underlying cause of the problem. And they also want to be more resilient to sanctions as the ones that we saw for Russia during the war. So Russia was banned from the SWIFT, which makes very difficult for trading uh, with other countries. So this is the kind of situation that they are saying they're trying to avoid, but we believe that there are some some hidden uh motivations for this this initiative. And yeah, I'd like to dive into like what what you think some of those hidden motivations might be or what's, you know, we'll try to mind read a little bit here. Uh, But first, let's talk a bit about just how this has been received. This is this has received quite a bit of coverage from mainstream financial press, like Financial Times, The Economist, as well as a lot of the crypto press, because there's a bit of a crypto overlap here, which we'll also talk about shortly. But uh, is this something that people are taking seriously or is this something that people are sort of scoffing at or how, how is this being received generally? I believe that uh, th- there's some skepticism around it because uh, the proposal should be approved by, by, by the Congress and so on. Uh, but uh, it's received with some fear in the, in the Brazilian side. So uh, there's the fear that Lula and the government are able to somehow approve it. Uh, it seems more like a threat than a, than an opportunity here in Brazil, at least. And then, from as far as like outside financial media in the U.S. and and in Europe, it seems like this isn't really people aren't really giving this a whole lot of. They see it as a bit of like a pie in the sky type of. Is that an accurate accurate way of summarizing that, or are there people out there that are taking this seriously that might or that think it's a good idea? No one has seen it as a good idea. I I, I didn't see any positive comments around it. Uh, I think that, but people have to, to believe in or give some credibility to, to the proposal because both presidents are talking about it. So yeah, uh, Lula is insisting in, in, in keeping these headlines uh, yeah. uh, coming. He, he talks about it uh, recurrently. So uh, how can can the press ignore it or how can the Congress pretend that that is not happening? Yeah, it's an important nuance, right? This isn't just sort of technocrats in the the finance ministry who are proposing these things. This is the actual presidents and it's the heads of state that are making these comments, not just sort of technocrat people in the central bank or the finance ministries. So I think that's an important uh, point to, to point out. 
So you point out in an op-ed that you wrote recently in Cointelegraph, you highlighted that this idea of a shared currency between the two countries isn't new. This, is, this has been floating around since the 90s, uh, and it's even been, you know, perhaps even before that, and it kind of ties into this broader theme of just, you know, Mercosul and, and, and broader integration, economic integration throughout Latin America. Um, could you give us a bit of just historical context around this idea of a shared Latin American currency of some sort, and then how, you know, how should we be kind of, what are the motivations behind this? How, how should we be interpreting all this? Okay, so uh, so the, the original idea was was brought by Fabio Jambiagi, which is a, a Brazilian uh, economist whose parents are Argentinian, and Roberto Lavagna, who after became the, the Minister of Economy in Argentina. So they wrote an article in 1998 defending the, the idea of a common currency for Brazil and Argentina for, for the Mercosul more, more broadly. Uh, and at that time, it would make a lot of sense because both countries were uh, implementing uh, liberal reforms in, in, in their economies, uh, and both of them had a pegged currency, uh, one, one to one to the dollar. So they have a very similar monetary system and very similar monetary restrictions in terms of what the central banks could do. So basically, they, they should keep their, their the national currency, or the Brazilian real and the Argentinian peso, paired with the dollar. So uh, in that context, and, and it's interesting because the, propose, the proposal was for 10 or 20 years implementation. It's, it was not something to, to turn the key immediately and stop doing. It was a phased process. Uh, and at that time, neither the euro was fully implemented. The euro was fully implemented in 1999, one year after. So it was a proposal that at that time could make some sense, uh, or a lot of sense, I would say. Uh, but uh, the circumstances now are completely different. Both countries now have floating uh, exchange rates. Uh, what happened to the Argentinian economy since then uh, is completely different from what happened in Brazil. Could successfully implement the, the inflation targeting, keep the inflation under control. Uh, and in, in Argentina, they couldn't. Uh, they had two defaults in, in, their, in their sovereign bonds. So it was a massive problem for their economy. Uh, they, they have a completely out of control inflation. Uh, they have a, a severe discrepancy between the official inflation and the official exchange rates, what you can see in practical in the, the real world, let's, let's call it. Uh, it's very complicated to, to consider the, the idea of creating a, a, a common economy or a common currency with a country in such situation. Uh, so they don't even have their own currency. We can we can say something like this. It's it's not uh, it's not far from reality. They they have something kind something like a, a currency, but they they have twenty different currencies for a specific reasons. So if you are a soybean exporter, you have a specific uh, currency. If you are uh, they they have like the code play uh, currency for uh, international artists. Uh, so it's it's a very bizarre situation 
they created like a Frankenstein economy. So how, how can you imagine that someone would give hands to, to this economy and say, let's move on together? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that's kind of the bizarre thing, I think, about this idea is it's, it's hard to see how Brazil would actually stand to benefit from economically, anyways, from this type of proposal. It seems that uh, it would be very reminiscent of what you have in the Eurozone, where effectively the, the wealthier countries of Northern Europe are sort of subsidizing the, the poorer countries relatively of Southern Europe. And it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's a way that Brazil actually benefits here. Um, maybe it's outside from a few, like a couple niche sectors or something. But under the given trajectories of the economy that you've just talked about over the last 20 years, where Brazil has been relatively stable uh, and Argentina has sort of, you know, they've veered off on their own path toward what you just described there. I'd like to chat a little bit about, like, what's the connection between this proposal and, you know, digital currency slash cryptocurrency? What's kind of the overlap here? I mean, there's obviously there's all sorts of people on Twitter that are weighing in with their opinions about, you know, Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, came in out and said, well, they should just adopt Bitcoin. right? Uh, and there's other other proposals that people have brought up, like, well, you could use sort of a synthetic CBDC type of asset that you could use for you know the exchange and the settlement. And that might actually make sense under certain circumstances. I mean, is there an actual like real overlap here of significance or is this maybe crypto and blockchain people sort of naively coming out and saying that, you know, we have the solution to every problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only tool that you have is, is, a, is a hammer. Every problem should be a, a nail that there's something like this. Uh, and yes, it was announced as a virtual occurrence, which makes sense because if, if the main objective of, of this initiative is bilateral uh, international trade, there's no reason for a physical a physical currency printed in paper. So uh, if it's just for for uh, this, this kind of trades, there's no reason why you should print uh, a note for, for, for this. Uh, but it created some some excitement around the idea because oh, is it going to be crypto or, or a CBDC? Ideally, or, or as far as you can know, from the poor information that they give us, is that it was going to be a CBDC controlled by a bilateral central bank and issued by this bilateral central bank. And there, there are some uh, hints on how would they fund this, cent this central bank with part of the Brazilian reserves and part of the Argentinian reserves and create a specific tax for, for these bilateral trades to to give more more reserves to this common central bank. Again, it's, it's such a, a bad idea. But uh, going back to, to, the, to Brian Armstrong's suggestion that both countries should adopt Bitcoin, it's funny because in Argentina, several uh, normal citizens are using Bitcoin to escape from the high inflation and the capital controls. So Bitcoin is a good alternative when you cannot uh, have let's say a strong currency like dollar or euro or something to defend yourself from inflation. I think last year they had an official inflation around 70%, which is quite a lot. Uh, if you cannot buy dollars and, or, or some other financial instruments, Bitcoin is a, is a natural way to protect yourself. So uh, people, people are concerned that Bitcoin lost 
something around 7% of its value last year. The same happened to the Argentina peso. So uh, it, it's not a big deal for, for someone in Argentina to, to carry this load. So in Argentina, it can make some sense. And, and it's private, privately being built, <laughs> this kind of solution. People are, are running for Bitcoin for, for themselves. Uh, in Brazil, I don't think it would make sense. Uh, we have a, a, a central bank that, that's working quite well. The Brazilian uh, central banker, the chairman, uh, Roberto Campos, was nominated the, the best central banker in the world in 2021, if I'm not wrong. He's doing a very good job. Uh, so uh, once you tie, this, tie yourself to, to Bitcoin, you lose all, the, all your power to, to do monetary policy. Uh, and I, I don't think it would be a good idea for Brazil, at least. Yeah, it's an interesting point in that in Argentina, you already kind of have this adoption just happening naturally of Bitcoin, right? And and uh, this idea that, well, Bitcoin declined 70% in the last year. It's like, well, so did the value of the peso. <laughs> so it's, you know, wh- who are you going to trust more, right? Um, whereas in Brazil, it's, it's such a different scenario economically where it doesn't, it doesn't make quite as much sense to hedge to that level of, uh, of extremity. So let's talk a bit about, you know, some of the underlying motivations for this proposal that you sort of alluded to earlier. And if it doesn't really make sense on the surface, it doesn't really make sense for Brazil from like an economic standpoint. Why is this being promoted so heavily? Like why are Lula and and Fernandez and their respective finance ministers uh, going around talking about this so actively right now? So first of all, I think that there is an ideology uh, that, Common ideology, they are both part of this left wing block in South America. And Lula wants to project himself as the leader of this left, left wing South America and, and most broadly, uh, the leader of the, 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 let's say, the third world or, or the development countries in general he, he he wants to to fight for this position as the great leader of the of the poor countries and I, I think that becoming the leader in South America is, a, is an important step for for this this agenda that he has and in Argentina we have the the, the Minister of economy Sergio Massa who's trying to project himself as a potential president not necessary for the next election because Alberto Fernandes can run again. It's not clear if he will run or, or not, but uh, he wants to be the next one in, in the line. So uh, th- this kind of, of loudy proposals or bold proposals can, can, can create some, some visibility for him and, and project him as a potential next president. So... It's all about politics, nothing to do with economics. So do you see, uh, from the Lula standpoint here, does Lula see this as like, you know, kind of unfinished business from his his first two terms? And then also, uh, I guess, you know, the, the Juma Josef term, which was kind of like a Lula third term. Does he see this as sort of unfinished business that he didn't accomplish in his first uh, stint in power? Um, and I guess the, the follow on to that would be, does he... Does he see this as a method to just sort of further project himself? I mean, what does he see as a competition here? And like, why? what's the urgency to do this right now? 
given it's the first month of his presidency and he's already talking about this, where usually these bilateral campaigns or these bilateral meetings of heads of state, they come out and they issue some kind of general statements about, oh, we want to work together to facilitate more trade. And, you know, they, they say very, very like kind of boring, benign things that are very general and, and don't really mean anything. Um, or in this case, they come out their first meeting um, and they're, they come out with this kind of crazy radical idea and uh, it's getting it's getting, you know, a lot of publicity. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, why are they so why are they pushing this? So, you know, why is he making this number one priority, like right out of the out of the gate here? OK, uh, first, the first part of your question uh, regarding like the, the unfinished work, I think that Lula was very successful in positioning himself as a, as a leader in the underdevelopment countries in his first term. Uh, but after it, he went to jail and he had all these problems with the, with the corruption and so on. Uh, and I think that nowadays he's worldwide seen as this corrupt politician way more than, than a leader. So I think for him, it's important to, to get back to this position of, of leadership in order to kind of erase these, these corruption and, and scandals around his persona, leave this last, this final, final impression of being a great leader, not a corrupt that went to jail and so on. So I think this is not uh, unfinished work. He did it quite well in, in his first terms, but now he's, he's trying to do it, it again. And for the second part, I, I, I believe that, yes, what, what, you, what you propose makes a lot of sense. They, they like it's good intentions, which are presented in, in, a, in a smooth way in these bilateral meetings, not necessarily uh, are put in practice afterwards, but uh, I don't know. I think this, this is something that, that connects with, with this idea of uh, Latin America being protected against the, the, the dollar supremacy and uh, the USA supremacy, let's more broadly. So I think it's, it's, it sounds really well for the, for the, the, the public that Lula, Lula fans and, and Alberto Fernandes fans, they, they like this idea of, oh, I'm, I'm creating a block that will fight against the, the, the giants or the United States or which represents. Isn't it, isn't it kind of strange, though, that like the U.S. and the, the Biden administration in particular was so supportive of Lula winning re-election or winning, you know, defeating, or maybe they were anti-Bolsonaro more than they were pro-Lula, perhaps, but they were obviously on the side of Lula, supported Lula in the elections. You know, for, for Lula to come out in his first, one of his first public statements uh, after coming to office, and he's like, oh, we need to, you know, rid ourselves of like the, the, the imperialist American dollar system. And you know, does that seem a bit bizarre, given the fact that the U.S. was just supporting him so heavily? Or is this all just theater, you know? <laughs> is this all no, just theater? I, I think he's, he's, a, he's a, a politician in the definition of the word. So he, he can say something in one side of the table and say something else in, in the other side of the table and go, go to bed and sleep quietly and smoothly, no problem. And, and he, he do these kind of things all the time. 
So uh, it's no problem. He, he can say some. He, he was from the, the union and he's known for saying, saying one thing to the, to the employers and, uh, and a different thing for the, the, the employees. So it's natural for him to, to play with both sides of the, of the discussion. Uh, he, he's, he's very talented for, for this politics. Yeah, that is true. He, he does have a gift for this, right? You have to give him credit where it's due. And a couple of other just quick questions here, kind of turning back to the, kind of the crypto digital currency side of things here. Uh, Brazil's obviously in the process of developing a digital real, uh, which is undergoing testing right now. And the plans are to roll this out really more, more uh, to the retail population, at least in 2024. And how, how might, just for the sake of assumption that this shared Argentine, we have some sort of synthetic Argentine Brazil sort of shared currency. How would this interplay with the digital real? Is this something that is even possible, or is this, or is there sort of a retail wholesale model, or how, how would this even work? It's not clear. As, as I mentioned, we don't have our official document explaining the plans or something. But what I believe is that Brazilian real is something that's been. Uh, developed by the Brazilian Central Bank, which is now independent. So uh, Lula is trying to, to project his influence over the Central Bank, but uh, as it is right now, the Central Bank is, is doing the job the way they think that's technically and uh, is most efficient, most efficient in terms of the best outcome for, for the monetary system. So they're, they're not uh, considering... The, the, the politics around it and and the plans that Lula has for himself and for his party and so on. So I, I think that the, the Brazilian CBDC is going to happen in, in its own time uh, and, and there's a different agenda. For sure, if we have the, the SUR, uh, the, the Brazilian Argentina common, common currency, uh, there will be some some contact point between them because uh, if it's going to be only a, a transactional currency for, for bilateral commerce, at some point we'll have to exchange it for Brazilian reais and for pesos in Argentina. And if we have a CBDC here, uh, it's likely that we can have uh, an automated conversion or something like this that, that will make a lot of sense. And uh, considering that this nonsense situation, it would make sense uh, for, for making easier to, to convert from, from the common currency to the local currency. Uh, it would be a good feature in this nonsense scenario. <laughs> and then last question for you, and just thinking, thinking at this from kind of a real high level here, but how, how does this whole, I mean, we've, I think we've, We've arrived at the conclusion here that this this proposal is sort of non-feasible and probably won't happen. But how does this um, how does this conversation around it, these you know a shared currency and potentially like a digital currency, cryptocurrency, uh, you know, serving as or this being a use case for digital currency and cryptocurrency, how does this advance that conversation more broadly? Like, is this is this an actual like is this a real use case that that more you might expect other countries to be ex begin exploring? Like, is this is this an area where this technology could actually you know, fulfill a valuable need? It's difficult to say. Uh, I, I don't believe so. I think that it's a very peculiar 
situation where they they're trying to bring up this digital common currency, but it's not. Uh, I would say it's not uh, something new. We have a, a CBDC running in China for millions and millions of people, uh, and I think in Brazil we we are advancing in, in this agenda with a very good uh, technology, technological uh, framework, uh, creating a CBDC that will be comparable with the Ethereum virtual machine. So we will have some features that will, will be uh, compatible with the Ethereum network uh, as, as it is designed right now. So I don't think that this, this case of the, the common uh, currency will be something uh, relevant or, or, or MVP or something for something bigger. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I'm pessimistic about it. <laughs> but so you, so you wouldn't accept you wouldn't expect that any other countries might take this idea and run with it. Essentially, because no one's going to be looking at this and being like, "Hey, this is a good idea. We should we yeah. should try this ourselves." Like you're not expecting in that anytime soon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well. Any other final thoughts on this or any other context you, you know, you think might be helpful? I, I realize there's, this is sort of a, we've taken a kind of a, a broader conversation that has a lot to do with kind of regional geopolitics and some, and, 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 you know, clever politicians attempting to sort of reform their image and, and position themselves in the, kind of the global and regional stage. And we've tried to marry that to uh, a conversation about kind of the role of cryptocurrency and digital currency, um, you know, maybe, you know, two strange bedfellows perhaps here, but, uh, but certainly like an adjacent, uh, interesting adjacency um, between these two areas. So any other final thoughts you'd want to leave our, our audience with on this subject? Yes. Yes. I, I think the, 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 the interesting thing about these, uh, these proposal is that they are, for the first time in peace times, we can see some government T1 officials talking about uh, resilience against sanctions and uh, escaping from the, the, the dollar dependence. And, and these, these are like mantras in, in, the, in the cryptocurrency uh, ecosystem. So the, the crypto the crypto Guys are talking about this for 10 years, and now we have some governments or some government officials talking about this. I think this is something uh, very, very interesting and something that, even though it's a, it's a crazy idea, this kind of, of motivation is something that should be considered, and, and it, is, it is inside the mind of, of, the, of these officials, at least. So... These crypto punks or crypto anarchists, they were not so so insane as some people would think. That's a great point, actually. And and these 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 narratives around the resiliency against sanctions and freedom from the U.S. dollar and U.S. monetary policy. I, I mean, it's very similar to what you saw coming out of El Salvador uh, a couple of years ago, right? Where yes. You know, I think the motivations there may be a bit different and, and, and whatnot, but it's still sort of this idea of, I mean, in El Salvador's case, they were literally using the U.S. dollar yeah. as a currency, right? So it, it was yeah. like we are, you know, it, it wasn't just a theoretical thing that they're trying to divorce themselves from that. But if Najib Bukele came out and said this same, you know, some of the same proposal, it would 
be very aligned with what with, with what Lula and Sergio Massa are from Argentina. Yes, yeah, Sergio Massa. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's so even though you know, Sergio Najib Bukele is obviously more on kind of the the kind of the right wing side of the spectrum, and then Lula and, and uh, Alberto Fernandez and Sergio Massa are more on the left wing side of the spectrum. They're basically making the same arguments here, which is which is quite interesting. So anyway, well, that about wraps up our time for today. But thank you so much, Joel Marco, for joining us here. And um, where can folks find you if they uh, want to get in touch? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, as, as you did. Uh, so, João Marco Braga La Cunha on LinkedIn or at Hashtag LinkedIn page too. I'm not in the other social media. I have no time for that, unfortunately. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for your time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.